From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Lee, a queer, pagan, disabled trauma survivor spreading art, love, and hugs wherever they go. Welcome to the show, Lee. Hey. I'm so, so excited. Let's start off with how you identify. I identify as gender fluid, queer, non-binary, pansexual, pagan, uh, poly, (laughs) disabled. I kind of check a lot of boxes for a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. my labels are long, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm kind of myself. Uh, My pronouns are they, them. So that's me. (laughs) I love the long laundry list of categories for you. You're sort of like corporate America's dream come true because you tick off so many of their boxes for inclusivity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to tell them, like, uh, really, if you hire me, you're going to, like, apparently get some kickbacks, I think. I'm not quite sure how that works. But being non-binary and having all of those different identifiers, it's kind of, I like to call it gay alphabet soup. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's like I'm a, all of them <laughs> or a whole bunch of them. And then I support all the other ones that I'm not. So solidarity. Julie, one of our, our big fans and friends, Loves Hi, to Julie. Start her questions with Star Wars, Star Trek, or Stargate. Will Wheaton is my man. I gotta say Star. I gotta say Star Trek Next Gen. That was what I grew up on. Great. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite genre of music and artist? I'll give you my top three because they're very varied. Uh, Tori Amos, Silver Sun Pickups, and Tool. Nice. Okay. Ooh, and Glass Animal. My top four. <laughs> okay, great. If you were a cocktail, what would you be? A mimosa. Nice. Something that's good for the morning. Um, yep. Your favorite meal? Pumpkin pie. <laughs> I don't know if it's a meal, but I like it. <laughs> and then what's something that a few people know about you? Oh, wow. I'm an open book, so I don't know what people... Oh, that's hard. Uh, <laughs> I guess the new thing that people are learning is that uh, there's 11 of me up inside my head. So... It's kind of a a new thing that I've been out and proud about, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that. (laughs) So you identify as Mm non-binary. One of my questions that I like to ask early on is how did you choose your name? Was your name assigned or did you choose that one? Uh, Lee is my middle name. Okay. And I like that it is androgynous. It it really is just kind of on the the spelling and Mm -hmm. it's the Irish spelling. But yeah, L is my favorite letter to write. So it just kind of, you know, and like L is for love. So yeah, especially for my art and everything so that it all just kind of flows together. So when did you first realize that this was your identity? When did you start to put together the pieces of this? You and I were talking about how I'm 45, and we grew up in the age of don't ask, don't tell. So we didn't know to question things. And so for a lot of my life, I thought that the things that I was thinking was just normal. I knew that I was questioning my sexuality from a really young age. Uh, I had pictures of Will Wheaton and the Corys on the outside of my closet door and Tori Amos and Alyssa Milano on the inside. So I knew there was something going on, but then it was things... You know, in hindsight, it's always 2020, but like, I remember the story. I, my boyfriend at the time, he and his buddies were one, they were playing D&D and I wanted to play with them. I wanted to be, and they were like, you can't, you're not a guy. And I was like, well, why not? And they're like, you're not one of the guys. And I was like, well, 
kind of, yeah, I do everything that you do. I feel the same way. And that's when I started realizing that maybe something was a little bit different, Mm -hmm. especially within the last year. I really kind of just had the self-reflection and realized that kind of like Janet from The Good Place, not a girl. I know I look like one, but I so much of myself feels either sometimes incredibly masculine and then sometimes I don't feel masculine or feminine. I just feel like a blob. You know, so then it's really non-binary because you just don't feel like anything. So Mm -hmm. I, I'm very fluid, you know, and then my expression is also different. So I kind of realized that I'm just not the norm Mm -hmm. and non-binary seem to kind of fit with that gender fluid, gender queer kind of identity. I like being queer. I like being weird. That's a great word. (laughs) When did you finally come to terms with your identity? Was that recently? Since COVID started last year, I really started to embrace it and accept it and started trying to talk to people in my life about it. And unfortunately, it meant it was one of the things that ended up ending a relationship, a long-term relationship that I was in. But it meant that it gave me the opportunity to find someone, which I did, find someone who accepts all of me and really embrace the queerness and celebrate that rather than me having to try to hide it. So it's really been within the last year that I've kind of really been open about not just being an ally for other trans people, but for accepting my own transness. We learned how to come out of the closet a step at a time. And I think this has been not maybe a final, but a really good step for me to be like, you know what? It's okay to accept this about myself. Did you have a particular role model or confidant that you could look to or turn to when you were putting together these facts about your identity? Yeah, one of my really close friends, their name is Jackie. She's a she-they, is a huge ally to the trans community. She just absolutely loves to, you know, she and I have always been like, in in any of our friends that we know that we want to be able to support, I kind of talked to her about it. And she was like, you know, I want you to be happy and I want you to be free to find yourself. And she gave me a a safe space to, to live. And I've been, you know, we've been roommates for a year now. And she's just a really great friend who I'm now dating. So they're now my partner and they are incredibly queer, my little gay space alien. (laughs) And uh, I just, I love them. And we knew that something clicked between us and we were both like, queerdo, queerdo. Yes. And just kind of blossomed from there. And we just go out being little gay space aliens out in, out in the, in the real world, being all weird and loving to everybody. Either like it or it freaks them out. Either way, it makes us laugh. So (laughs) Nice. Either way, you're making an impact. And that's what's that's what matters. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the important part is to give that offering of love. People can either take it or not. The point is, is that you offer it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to do. Yeah. When the pre-interview, we talked a bunch about your family upbringing um, and your mom, particularly. Let's let's go into that some. She brought you into the queer space in a big way right? Yeah, I grew up in Atlanta. And my mom was an apartment manager right off of Chastain. And in the 80s, I was like the queer epicenter of Atlanta. And my mom was a self proclaimed fag hag. She loved, you know, the guys, you know, the drag queens and the before, you know, she had so many gay friends. And we were talking about, you know, this isn't my first this isn't our first pandemic, we lived through the AIDS epidemic of the 80s. And that was such an impactful time for for you and I. And for our generation. And Mm -hmm. I remember my mom having friends who were who were dying and she was there holding their hands. She didn't worry about what that stigma was. But I 
when I tried to come out to her, you know, when I came out to her for my sexuality, she was like, well, you're still going to give me grandbabies, right? So she she didn't want to really accept it within her her child. She was okay with it, accepting it in others. She ended up being kind of okay with it, but it was, again, that don't ask, don't tell. Just kind of do it behind closed doors and don't show it to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was and, difficult because I'm pretty loud. <laughs> and I remember it also applied to when you started to identify as Polly as well, right? Oh, yeah. She she was like, why can't you just cheat on your husband like everyone else does? And I was just like, that's that's not how you do open communication consent. And unfortunately, my family is very, you know, they're Southern and I love them dearly, but they they have a very um, love the sinner, uh, not the sin. And I guess I'm a really big sinner in a whole lot of ways in their eyes. And so there's some just, you know, there's some dissonance there and I just have to kind of live with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm dealing with now. That's that's kind of the biggest part of the transition right now is dealing with that because that's very, you know, I, I lost my parents in 2014 and it made my sister and I super close. And this has kind of caused a rift between us. I just want her and her kids to be happy. <laughs> so you're fresh off of coming to understand your identity and then, of course, obviously coming out as well. Let's let's start with family. How did you actually come out to them? Honestly, my sister found out on an Instagram post, I think. And it was, she texted me and was like, you never told me that you were non-binary, which I'm pretty sure I did, but I don't remember. And then she was like, you know, you never told me you had multiple personalities. You never told me this. You never told me that. And I was like, you didn't like the parts that I did tell you. So why would I tell you all this other stuff? (laughs) They kind of found out that way. And then part of my family, I did just kind of try to talk to, and I don't really have much family left. So it didn't go very well. I tried to open the door and say, if you have questions, please feel free to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, are you getting a dick? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and that was the only real question. And then I, I was like, but I am growing my armpit hair to feel more myself. And then she like wanted to see pictures of that. And so I sent her pictures and she laughed. And then that was the only like that was that was the end of the conversation. It's just very don't talk about it. Pretend that you're a female when you come see me. So. Pretty pretty common, I think. Yeah, I've got that with my family. We love you completely, but we can't accept <laughs> this. So it's like, I'm going to challenge the first part of that sentence. You lost your job in the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. The day that uh, Atlanta shut down, I got laid off. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best thing that's ever happened because it gave me uh, the opportunity to grow and work on myself and to, to really explore all of that and mm-hmm. to have that that open space to be able to do so and to really dive into my art and realize that I want to try to merge, you know, different avenues to try to help, help communities, you know, like help the trans community through art and activism and stuff like that. Or, you know, hopefully (laughs) I had come out um, in previous jobs. I at least came out as far as with my sexuality. There was a company uh, a while ago that I worked with and, and I did come out as queer um because i was trying to see if we could get that the q included in our lgbt employee resource group Mm. and so i was like well what do you guys think about the word queer and i actually had a a, like a whole little conference and it was like ask the queerdo and i invited my coworkers to come and ask all those kinds of questions so i have come out to previous employers but uh as far as being trans with my with recent yeah nope Mm -hmm. just me and i'm okay with myself (laughs) In the conversations you've had, has there been a difference in the way it's been received coming out as 
gay or queer versus coming out as trans? Yeah. Well, the biggest, the biggest thing is, uh, pronouns, which, and I'm, I, I'm bad. I'm like my, my partner and I, we misgender each other all the time. Like we understand it happens. I've had some, even, you know, a couple of my friends be like, but you're such a pretty girl. You make such a great girl. And I'm like, well, yeah, when I feel like being a girl. <laughs> and so it's kind of like little weird little things like that. Like, I know they love me. They accept me. They just like, oh, it's just you. But in just you, they still see what's in front of them. And that's been the biggest challenge, I think. Whereas with sexuality, uh, they're just like, oh, you're just a flavor of gay. I've had way less issues with that, except for, you know, like with by pan erasure and you know stigma with that and that kind of stuff i've had to deal with that did you have anybody that supported you that you weren't expecting in all honesty i think like my partner and i think that's partly why i i ended up with them is i have never met a person ever who has completely accepted every single little facet of who i am and they want to know every secret every little thing they're just like i want to know every part about you because i love every part and before I never meant to do it, but I think, you know, when you have mental illness and you have these things about you, you, you mask, you hide to appear normal. And when you're questioning your gender or, you, or your sexuality, you hide it for as long as you can to try to appear normal. And so I think that uh, I didn't open up enough to some of my other partners. And with this person, I've been completely open. And it's just, it's, it's floored me. I've never met someone who is just that open hearted and been like, please, I just want to know everything about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like to sidestep slightly and start talking about that a little bit. You told me in the pre-interview that you have dissociative disorder. Mm -hmm. Can you talk just a little bit about that to start? Yeah, dissociative dis disorder, there's a couple of different flavors. It's part of the anxiety spectrum, which is uh, so the reason why you get them is from trauma. I have complex PTSD uh, from oh, a lot of different stuff <laughs> that I'm not going to go into. But because of it, I have dissociative depersonalization disorder, which means I don't feel like I'm real. Um, and that's part of why I, I identify as non-binary. To me, this is a, it's like a flesh suit. It's a mech. <laughs> Most of the time, me, what I feel like as myself is just driving this around. So the idea of gender and, and feeling a connection to it, sometimes there's not a connection because this is just a flesh suit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have derealization disorder, which means reality isn't real. And unfortunately, trauma survivors, when they get in situations where they have prolonged or sustained or repetitive trauma, uh, they dissociate so that they can kind of go off into another place where they don't have to experience what's happening in reality. I have alters. Um, and that was not, has not been diagnosed because I was too afraid to ever talk about it until recently because I was afraid of getting locked up in a, you know, padded cell or whatever as a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then found out that dissociative identity disorder is as common as people with red hair. So it's actually way more common than people think. <laughs> and it's not anything like what is, uh, shown in TV and in media. So I have 11 in my head and they help, uh, keep me together and they help um, keep the trauma away from me so that I can function in reality mm -hmm. and do things like work. <laughs> and 
And how has that affected your transition? Um, you mentioned some really interesting tidbits to me as far as different gender identities within the 11 altars. So within the, and we call ourselves the collective. Uh, <laughs> I told you Star Trek, I'm the Borg, um, but we're the Borg of love. Thankfully, my system, we work really well together. But for example, loops, they mostly kind of look like the flying spaghetti monster. They're like this little squiggly thing. They're, they're based off of anxiety loops. They are agender and aromantic. Okay. So they don't really, they're not even non-binary. They're just completely agender. And then A um, is also non-binary and they are intersex. And then I have another one, Demona. They are sapiosexual. So we kind of, again, that gay alphabet soup, we kind of go within different identities and expressions. And so non-binary collectively seems to work really well for that mm -hmm. as well. So that was kind of an additional reason why that identity felt correct for us. And when did you receive those initial diagnoses and, and kind of start to come to grips with, with that part of you? Um, the derealization and the depersonalization were diagnosed in 2014 when my parents, they both passed within about two months of each other. They, they both had uh, vascular disease. So I immediately got into grief counseling and started talking about other things that had happened in my life and uh, how I viewed the world around me and how it seemed like there was a kind of like a curtain between me and the rest of the world Yeah, and trying to push through that curtain to kind of connect. And then the, uh, the psychiatrist went, that is a thing called derealization and depersonalization. And you have that due to trauma. And I was like, oh crap. I think it was 2019. I started talking to a therapist and told them about the collective and they tried to help for a while. And, um, unfortunately due to the Hippocratic Oath, they had not had a lot of training with that. And it started to kind of act up. And so they were like, we can't, we can't help you. You need a specialist. And there's unfortunately not a lot of counselors that have that kind of training. And so it's a very underrepresented mental illness, unfortunately. Mm. It's misdiagnosed a lot and stuff like that. The funny thing is, is that I suck at taking care of myself. I love taking care of other people. Uh -huh. um, we always talk about taking care of a tribe. It takes a tribe to, you know, raise a child kind of, you know, that's the, that's the principle. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that if I actually try to take care of them, and be kind to them, I'm being kind to myself. Mm. And it, it's a it's a way that to help heal within myself. If I'm like, well, if I help heal them and make them feel accepted, then I'm actually making myself feel accepted. And it's a it's like you kind of heal yourself a little bit at a time. And they're not always there, but when they are, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Shifting back to transition journey. When did you yeah. first find community? Well, actually, we could talk about it in both aspects in diagnosing and dealing with your mental illness or with your, your transition. Were you able to find communities for both of those? I've been a huge part of the Pride community here in Atlanta for mm -hmm. a really long time. Um, and I've always been super advocating for other trans people. And it just didn't occur to me that I was going through that. But I've always had a community for that. And I've found a little bit of, of community for the dissociative disorder. Now that I've been open about it over the past year, I've actually had people that um, I had known previously that had come to me and were like, hey, I think I might have something like that. Being open about it, it's scary, but it means that I'm 
helping to uh, allow other people a place to talk about it. And that's really important is to get that conversation started. Really wanted to be a counselor and be a psychologist when uh, when I went to school originally. And I'm, I get so invested. I think that's that was the biggest thing is I was like, oh my gosh, I would take home every case and not be able to separate it and leave it at work. I would take all of that home. I just, I'm too much of an empath. But I love connecting with people on one-on-one, just being out in the wild and, and just helping, you know, it's one hug at a time. One, one, I see you, I love you, you matter. And I think that's fantastic. And it's healing. So, so the more ethereal question we like to ask is what does transition look like for you? It was more a perspective change. Um, because of my age and I'm already going through menopause, the idea of hormones and all of that, I didn't really feel the need for it. I'm fairly comfortable in the flesh suit that I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't feel the need to get any kind of surgery. Um, I can go buy a toy if I, you know, want to experience that, you know, feeling or whatever. I'm all about sex positivity. So if I want to do that, I can do that. For me, it's more been a perspective of how I present and how I feel about myself to the world and not um, like how I, I don't know. It's about being more for me. And then in some ways trying to get certain people to just be like, I see you and I see that you are just you, however you are. That's been the, the biggest part of the transition for me. It's been more of like a, an acceptance on that level and not so much a, hormonal or physical kind of transition. How far do you feel you are in your journey? I want to say it's not over because I hope that one day my family will accept me. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that just kind of came out of nowhere. That was not, I wasn't expecting myself to say that. I think as a species, we want to try to do better. We want to evolve. And I want to always be changing to become the best version of a human being that I can be to help other people. And if that means that my journey and my transition isn't over, then that's awesome. You know, let me continue to be a butterfly. If I got another chrysalis that I need to go through, cool. I don't really know. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but I think that's okay. It's different for all of us. You know, whatever we go through is our truth and that's fine. For me, more than anything, it's like, I want to represent our community well. I want to mm -hmm. be a good representation. I want to make I want to make everybody proud. Like, I love our community. What were some of the key fears that you ran up against going through your journey thus far? Um, coming out to the person that I was with originally was difficult and they couldn't see it. And that's okay. Coming out to my family. And I think more than anything, it's, it's not even so much that it's kind of coupled with everything that everybody had to go through with 2020. You know, it's like, it was everyone was collectively kind of going through this experience with Black Lives Matter and with the trans movement. And I think I've focused more on that than on my own. It's, it's just been a whirlwind. So it's like every day it's something new. So it's kind of all kind of mushed together in my mind as this gigantic whirlwind of a year. So transition for me kind of includes like a whole lot of other stuff. How to, you have to look look back later and pick out the different pieces. Okay, this was transition related. This was not. This <laughs> pandemic, Black Lives Matter over there. <laughs> right. And then so much of that is all mixed together. So when you try to parse it out and then when 
you're not the only one that's holding on to memory. So then there's other ones that are holding on to different parts of the same memory. It gets really confusing sometimes. I say I have Swiss cheese brain. I'm like, I don't know. It's up there somewhere. Just like going through the Rolodex to find the information. <laughs> no, you Who filed it where? <laughs> yeah, you, you've got the, the, the different Rolodex, but you've got different people you've got to consult. Do you have this one or, or <laughs> does A have it or... <laughs> Yep, it's like going into the boardroom. All right, Jade, who with, look down the Excel spreadsheet. Tell me who it's got. Yep, that's how that works. <laughs> so in, in this kind of compressed timeline of a journey that you've been on, have your goals shifted for transition? Did you kind of start out thinking you might want to go one way and there are certain things that you're looking to differently now or have decided that aren't important for you? Um, well, my partner wanted to know, they were like, do you want to do hormones? Do you want to do surgery? They were very open and encouraging of any kind of body modifications that I wanted to go through. And I know it's going to sound so silly, but I started out with like, I'm going to grow out my leg hair for the first time in my life. And I know <laughs> that seems so dumb, but like every guy I'd ever been with had most part of been like, eh, you can kind of do what you want, but I'd really rather you, you know, shave whatever. And so it was so freeing to just be like, I'm going to grow out my hair. That's okay. Nah, I like it shaved. But I want this, you know, and so like finding out the level of hair that I wanted. I know that sounds so dumb, but like that was really liberating. We all have those moments where you're like, I never in a million years would have thought that this would be something that would tickle my fancy. Going to the pool and wearing a bikini and knowing that this is showing and not caring. Mm -hmm. That was so empowering to me and just being like, yep. I'm queer. I know I look like a girl and I've got hair and you just have to deal with it. <laughs> as far as my goals, mostly I want to work. I want to get involved. I want to help be supporting other people. I want to use my art to try to help. My goals are, are more of like trying to use the journey to help get awareness out there and to help with the art that I want to make or whatever I want that to be. I want a part of every every sale to go towards charity work. So it's more of like thinking in those kinds of terms as far as the journey is how can I use what I'm going through to help other people. And I think that from the start of my journey to now, that has been like the biggest shift. It was like, okay, I figured it out about myself. Cool. How can I make it better for other people? What can I do now? So Lee, what do you do in your day-to-day -day routine or maybe on special occasions to really find validation in your identity? One of the things that really got me through last year and I know we were going through a pandemic so my partner is in the service industry they're a server and uh pretty much almost every day last summer I would get all dressed up and just look like all kinds of a just little freak over here <laughs> and <laughs> and uh I had signs that I made that said I see you I love you you matter and then I made some signs that had black lives matter and I had drawn all over my car I would go down there every day and I would just like as everyone would come in, I would just say, I see you, I love you, you matter. And having people respond to that, mostly almost always really good, but just being myself and just being like, you know what, I'm going to dress however I want. I'm going to just act like a good person and just try to put that out there with everything that's going on right now. And it was the most fulfilling year, you know, that I've ever had in being able to just one-on-one -on -one connect with people. Mm. And Getting to and so that's what I like to do now. We'll get all dressed up and we'll just go out and we'll just we'll make bracelets and we'll pass out bracelets. Like I made some for Charlotte when I did her her art. So I, like we just we pass out bracelets and just be, you know, just fun and try to be a little bit of love and light in the world. 
Mm. And that makes that to me, that's reaffirming. It doesn't matter if people see me as a girl, a guy, or whatever. They're hopefully just seeing me be a person that cares. And that's the most affirming thing to me. Mm. On the opposite side of, of that kind of sunshine there, is there anything that, that brings you dysphoria? Oh, yeah. Looking in the mirror. Um, because I, because I don't identify, like, because I don't feel like the body's really mine, like, and because of there being so many of us looking in the mirror creates a lot of dysphoria just because we're like, and it's not even so much the body, it's the face. We look at the face and we're like, whose face is this? Hmm. Cause it doesn't really match in our minds with what, you know, with most of us, what we feel like we would look like. So that's been the biggest dysphoria is, uh, is more of like recognition of, of self. So we don't. We, we're, and the funny thing is, is like, we've been plus size models. Uh, you know, I've done, I've done modeling to try to, you know, alternative modeling and stuff like that. I love to, to get all dressed up and, and do that kind of stuff. But looking at pictures, I look at it as a photographer, not as, I don't see myself in it. It's like, it, that's a subject and I'm just looking at it in technical terms. So yeah, the dysphoria is in that way, not recognizing myself in the mirror. How do you feel that transitioning has affected your mental health? I feel like I'm the healthiest I've been, mostly because I'm accepting of everything now and I'm not trying to hide it anymore. Because I think the more that people try to hide who they are, that's where all the problem and the dissonance comes in. And by just saying, you know what, this is it. And you can accept it or not. And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm, I'm valid too. And I'm just going to live my life. What are some of the biggest hurdles that you run into on a daily basis these days? Still feeling like it, that myself as a person is valid because I don't have a job right now. I'm doing art full time because I draw like eight, you know, between eight and 12 hours a day. But I'm not doing the nine to five job that I have done since I was 14 years old. And so I kind of feel like I am not a productive member of society. And so that's been my biggest hurdle is mm. the internal telling myself you're trying to do something. It's just not what everybody else is doing. You're not fitting the mold in, in so many ways. <laughs> Yeah, I and guess. I never have. And the more I tried, the more broken I felt. And now that I'm trying to let myself be the weird little cog that I am, I don't squeak as much. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I work better by just letting myself be who I am. And I think I think if we allow more people to be that way, it would just work out a lot easier for everybody. <laughs> what is the favorite thing that you've learned on your journey? How much I love everybody. Truly, truly, the, the, the thing that I love the most is just finding a moment where I can get someone to see that they actually are accepted and loved in that moment. And it is one of the most beautiful feelings in the world to me. And I just want to share that with people. During Don't Ask, Don't Tell, we grew, you know, we grew up in the 80s. It was so bright and colorful, but you were allowed to like see it on television, but you weren't allowed to be that. And I I recently found out that I have a family member, a cousin that's gay, that uh, has passed. And I'm not very close to that side of the family. And I didn't get to be there for him. And he has a twin brother. And he and I have, I've gotten to reach out to him. And he and I are, are talking. And I'm like, you know what? I am so sorry that I wasn't there for you while you were growing up. Because I, I feel like maybe I could have helped. And he's like, you know what? You're there for me now. And I can see your light and you're trying to do good. I feel like I've had that huge missed opportunity and I never, ever, ever want to feel that way again. I, if I can help anyone, anyone, 
to just know that they are loved. That's what I'm put on this earth to do. I just don't know how to do it except for one person at a time. <laughs> because when I do it, I also try to, you know, I'm like, can I give you a hug? And they just, they're like, yes. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you my secret. 20 seconds. I'll tell everybody. My magical power is a 20 second hug. When you hug someone for 20 seconds, it resets their nervous system and it calms them down and it gives them a rush of endorphins. And then you give, do like a little bit of pressure. So you give them that good squeeze. Mm -hmm. And I like to rock them back and forth because it makes you feel like you're being held by your mama when you're a baby. And then I say, I love you. I see you. You matter. And I look at them. And most of the time we're both crying because it's 20 seconds that that person is getting a connection to someone else. It's cool. Go out and try it. If you've gotten back, go give someone a 20 second hug. It'll change both of y'all's lives. Yeah. What advice do you have for young or closeted trans and non-binary people out there? You really aren't alone. You are seen. You are loved. Go out there. You like All you have to do is just kind of ask. Part of what I do is I love to connect with younger people. Come up and ask someone. I will be your gay aunt. You can be yourself. I will like, totally accept you. I'll be the little weirdo in your life. Hmm. You can find people. You're not alone. It doesn't matter if you think that it's that whatever it is that you're thinking, if, it's, if you think it's normal, if you think it's abnormal, there are people out there that have those exact same thoughts. You are not alone. All you have to do is ask and someone will be there. If you need me, hit me up on Instagram. I will message you back. <laughs> I think there needs to be more of those kind of programs where people can just really be out there and just know that they're not just talking to the void, you know? Well, Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ms. Emily. I really appreciate it. This has been so wonderful and you were a delight and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. You can also find it and our other great shows at youtube.com slash the transverse. Be sure to follow our guest Lee on Instagram at spooniewitch76. If you love what we're doing and want to support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.